hello everybody. This is Linda Lang with uh, Plymouth Community Church and I am going to be doing a special Christmas presentation today. You'll notice behind me I've got these pillars and this beautiful drapery and all this background. This was our prop for a play we did on December 23rd. Sorry you missed it. Maybe you'll get to it next year. But this is our first play we did in the area. It's called um, actually, let me see, do I have it with me? No, I do not. It's called The Rest of the Christmas Story. Because, you know, we do know that, that the birth of Christ uh, is what we celebrate. But we also need to know the rest of the story. Because not only did Jesus come as a baby, was born to a virgin, which was a miracle, by the way. But he also lived for 30 years and started his ministry. And then on, 30, on his 33rd year, he was crucified. He died in our place to take away our sins. He, was the, he is the Son of God, and he came to take away the sins of the world. And that's what he did, and that's the rest of the story. And when we did our production, oh my goodness, we had 18 actors. We had music and uh, it was just beautiful, and I hope you get a chance to look at it. I hope to put it on YouTube, but I'm not sure because some of the music could be copywritten. So I just wanted to let you know, you got to come live, or you can contact me directly and I can send you a CD. All right, so this morning though, I want to talk to you a little bit about what Christmas means to me from my heart. However, haha, I got a treat. Before I start my message on what Christmas means to me, I'm going to read you Twas the Night Before Christmas, something that I wrote last year and I shared with my church congregation, but I'm going to share it with you this year. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the town everyone was stirring because of the crown. They all had to pay their taxes with glee so that the Pharisees would just let them be. Joseph and Mary came through on a mule, Mary great with baby looking for a place to refuel. They went to the inn, but to their surprise, no room was available, so they compromised. They ended up in the stable out back behind the inn where the horse and pigs and sheep were being penned. They found a small spot and a manger was there and the baby was born and was laid in with care. The shepherds were working at night guarding sheep. No one was able to get any sleep. Then a voice came from heaven, a bright light shone above and the angel said, a king was born, go see him now. Three wise men came with camels loaded down with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When they found the star shining above the stall, they knew they've arrived to witness it all. The star led these men to the manger that night, and all were so happy and filled with delight. Angels from above sang in unison a decree, Holy is the child who will rule for all eternity. This little story is not just one to hear, but one to take into your heart without any fear. The babe grew up, and the world he saved. We can rejoice that through him we've defeated the grave. Twas the night before Christmas. The Lord gave that to me last year, and I thought it was totally appropriate to read it to you now. 
So I'm going to get into my message called, What Christmas Means to Me from a Pastor's Heart. See, what I learned in the last, oh gosh, I've known for many years, but we celebrate Christ's birth on the 25th of December, when in all actuality, he was not born in December. Okay, we just seem to add that as a day. Uh, it's, it's the time that people get the day off. They have, uh, you know, Christmas was uh, a word used by the Catholic religion, uh, the Roman Catholic actually. They, they, they coined the phrase Christmas because Christ's mass. And so we've adopted it as the birth of Christ, which is great for us because I'll tell you what, you can't have a Christmas play in April, okay? It doesn't work. So the world has adopted December 25th as Christ's birth. All right, so having said that, the day that Christ was really born was September 21st to the 24th. And I'll tell you why. A little bit of deductible reasoning here. First of all, why would God have people go back to their natural place of birth where they need to pay their taxes in the middle of winter? <laughs> he wouldn't. Um, you know, he knows there's children, there's mothers, there's pregnant women and all this, and so that's one reason. Number two, how can you see a star shining if it's cloudy and rainy and foggy and snowy or whatever it is over there, all right? Number two, number three, and Jesus said in, um, I guess in one of his, his speeches about the end times, he says, pray that your flight be not in the winter, okay? So obviously winter is not a good time for traveling for anybody. Uh, I'm going to be heading up to Reno, uh, actually today, ha, today I'm going to be heading up to Reno and uh, seeing my uh, sister-in-law for Christmas, and it's going to be a little weathery out there because it's December you know it's funny that we have to have a holiday in the month that is just the worst turmoilist weather of all right but that's the way it is that's the way it's been for since 1846 you might say because I learned through history that in 1844 um, Alabama was the first state to proclaim Christmas a holiday so let me back up for a minute before I get going into that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about some history. That the word Christmas came from Christ's Mass, which is a Catholic terminology. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12 says that we believe Christ died once for all. So what happens is that if we keep doing Christ's Mass, that means... They keep crucifying him over and over again. You have to go to confession. You, matter of fact, people who are not Catholics can't go to Mass, cannot go to confession. You have to be a Catholic. And so, did Christ just die for the Catholics? No, he died for all people. All people have access to him. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Christ. So in order to avoid this wrath that's coming on the planet, and I'm sure some of you have heard about the uh, tribulation period, and by the way, this pastor believes we will be out of here when the tribulation starts. So you want to not suffer the wrath, then you want to receive Christ. <laughs> that's all there is to it. All right, so Christmas is a Roman Catholic holiday. The early Americans that came 
from there that landed on Pilgrim's Rock were Puritans. Some of them were Puritans. And they would not celebrate Christmas because that was Roman Catholic holiday. They would not. They flat out, matter of fact, I think it was Boston declared a fine if you demonstrated the Christmas spirit. Five shillings, they were fined. So things, of course, evolved, and pretty soon um, the legislature, you know, United States wide, decided to make Christmas a holiday. And I looked it up a little bit, and it says that Christmas now is a day people get off. Had nothing to do with Christ. <laughs> so it's a day that people got the day off to spend time with their family. Well, I thought that was pretty interesting. So in 1840, America began celebrating like the Catholics do, started in Alabama, followed by Louisiana and Arkansas in 1838. Then legislation allowed residents to take off work for the day without repercussion to spend time with family. It started out like any other holiday, a one-day event, like 4th of July. You don't celebrate the 4th of July all month of July, okay? Christmas was only supposed to be celebrated that one day, that's it. But what we do is we spend it out right after uh, Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas trees up and we are heading up. Matter of fact, let me talk to you a minute about a Christmas tree real quick. <laughs> All right. The Christmas tree is actually in the Bible. Did you know that? I'm going to go to it. Uh, it's in, <clears throat> let us see where it is. It is in the scripture, Jeremiah 10, 2 through 5. You know what it says in there? It says this. The, 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 the Druids and the different types of individuals that were not Christians, by the way, went out and cut down a tree, and they decorated it, brought it into the house, and decorated it with gold and silver. Does that sound like a Christmas tree to you? Yeah, matter of fact, the Christmas trees are pagan. But I'll tell you what, from my heart, I like Christmas trees. I have one in my house. I'm freeing those of you who have, oh, Taboo, no Christmas tree in my house. It's, it's, it's pagan. Yes, it is. Absolutely it is. But my heart is right towards it. See, I'll tell you what happened one year. So I was going to a church where they said, no Christmas, no Christmas. So they throw the baby out of the bathwater altogether. I think it's the best time of year to share Christ. <laughs> anyway, so what I did was I got a manger scene, a big one, a big tall one. It was like, like this with a baby and Joseph and Mary. And they were kneeling and it lit up. And I put presents around it. It wasn't the same. <laughs> I couldn't enjoy myself with that Christmas because it wasn't like I'm used to. I grew up with a Christmas tree. Am I going to hell because I have a Christmas tree in my house? No. It's about your heart. My heart is for the Lord. I remember when my sister passed away. I've been eight, nine years now? Wow. Nine years ago, the day after Christmas. So what does that do to Christmas for a person when somebody dies on Christmas? It makes Christmas horrible. But let me free some of you right now. Some of you are saying, yep, that's me. I don't even like Christmas. I have to see relatives I don't want to see. I'm having to, to shop. I'm going into debt. Well, that's not the right Christmas then. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's the thing. When I came home from the hospital and I saw my Christmas tree in the window all lit up, I walked in and I just cried. I'm never going to be able to enjoy Christmas again, I said to myself. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, 
Do not connect Christmas with the death of your sister. Maybe your death, the death of your sister would have been in March. You wouldn't have uh, had Christmas messed up with it. The same thing right now. Do not connect your sister's death with Christmas. And you know, from that day on, I was able to separate the two, and up to the two, and I can enjoy Christmas now fully. There's no guilt. There's no regret. There's no pain. There's no shame. There's no oh, what was me going on for my sister? Now I think about her. I talk to her, and I pray about her, and I love on her, and and her kids and such. But I separated the two. I don't connect. I don't have any guilt either, by the way. I don't have any guilt of having to do what I think I need to do for her family at Christmas. I don't. I have no guilt because God told me to separate the two. So I want you to know that you too can separate it. Even on the 4th of July, do you know I have an aunt who had seven children and they all died close to a holiday? An accident. Something, some, a sickness, whatever. They most of them are gone now, and they were all around the holidays. So she can't celebrate Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Christmas, Easter, because they all died around. Them. She doesn't know how to separate the two, and we need to be able to do that. Okay, let's go back to some history here. I think this is quite interesting. When I mentioned Boston, it said here that the state of Boston said it was a sin and a crime to celebrate Christmas. That was from 1659 to 1681. It was outlawed. And anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Man, I'm telling you what. What happened to America? <laughs> you know, if we would celebrate Christmas the way Christ wants us to, okay, for example, let's say you have a child and they have a birthday coming up. And you make a big celebration, but you don't break the bank. You don't buy gift for everybody. You buy the gift for the baby, the child's birthday. <laughs> Won't that cut out a lot of buying and, and purchasing and going into debt using your card, having to pay things for the next three months? I used to do that. I had 40 people in my family and I'd get a gift for every person. Now I've been making most of my things and I've cut down the list tremendously because I, don't, I am not driven by guilt any longer. Wow, okay, some of you need to be free from that. All right, so, do you know that the heathens even celebrate Christmas? But here's the thing about heathen, people that are anti-Christ or are just, you know, do not, do not have anything to do with Christians or anything like that. They still celebrate Christmas, but they don't like the word Christmas because Christ's name in it. So they go, we call it a holiday. Then they got upset because holiday is based on holy. So they can't win, all right? It's all about Christ. You can't celebrate Christmas without Christ, people, so you might as well just get over it. <laughs> all right. In 1843, Charles Dickens published his classic. Do you know what it was called? A Christmas Carol. Isn't it interesting how he had four spirits come to visit? You know, it's a time that actually exhibits family and friends, and that's a good story. It's a good story to listen to. Matter of fact, It's a Wonderful Life is also a good story about what happens to a person who thinks that they should never have been born when all along their life mattered. It mattered to many people that they didn't even know it mattered to. So those of you who are thinking suicidal right now, thinking that, why am I even alive? You're needed. You're part of the piece of 
Christ creation. That's why you're here. You know, here recently, uh, Twitch, I guess his name was Stephen Twitch, he was the DJ on Ellen DeGeneres' show, he committed suicide on Tuesday, December 13th. He leaves children and a wife. Why do you think he killed himself? He was only 42 years old because of Christmas, because maybe he didn't feel like, uh, maybe he had shame, guilt, regret, fear, anger, resentment. I don't know his whole personal life. But people, more people commit suicide at Christmas time. Why? Some people are just lonely because Christmas represents family and friends. What if you don't have any? Hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. If you don't have any family or friends, you give me a call. 530-409-6180. I will be your friend. I will be your family. Matter of fact, we have a church here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. We have a church here of, I'd say, 32 people. I'd say maybe half of them come to church from time to time. So, you know, there's a mix of different people coming all the time. It started out with like six, okay, so it's gotten up there since I pastored the church, so we got more people coming to church. And I want to bring in more younger people to the church. So our church is comprised of mostly older people. Some of them are in their 80s, and one person is 100 years old. <laughs> I love it. But we need to bring in the younger people, so I have decided to start a drama club. That'll draw in some of the kids. That way they can do these sets. See, I, I created this set. And there's one over here. You can't see it. But it's all these clouds because that's where the angels were singing. Well, you know, we have to stimulate our youth. We have to stimulate one another at this time of year to not feel depressed and sad. But look at opportunity. Look at things we can do for others. Because it's, you know, the Christmas isn't about what I'm going to get. When Jesus was born, did he lay in the manger and go, okay, let me see what I'm getting for my birthday? <laughs> he didn't. We're not to be that way either. So if we're not like that, if we're not in shame, if we're not feeling guilty, if we're not driven to give everybody a gift, wow, how freeing is that? How freeing is that? Now, what's really cool, once you admit it and go, wow, I was in bondage, you're free now. Now you can go forward and do the fun things you want to do, the lively things you want to do, the life-giving things you want to do. You know, I just recently been giving some gifts out to people here at the church, and uh, I received a couple gifts back. I didn't expect that at all. I love to give. And you know, you can't outgive God. The more you give, the more you get. That's just the way it is. Well, a couple of things that happens at Christmas time is that people do get in debt. People commit suicide. And we lie to our kids. You know, I was trying to think about when was the day that I learned there was uh, no white bearded man in a red suit. <laughs> For those of you who are listening or kids. Um, I don't remember. But all I know is that's the, the time people lie. Who is the father of lies? It's not Jesus. It's Satan. You know, let's take a moment and look at that word, Santa. If you take that word and just switch over two little letters, it turns to Satan. 
The enemy wants to parallel everything that Jesus is. In the little song about Santa Claus, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Well, it's telling everybody that Santa Claus is watching you while you sleep. He's watching you while you eat. He's watching you all year long to see if you're being good. So then the, the parents use that as, well, you're not going to get any presents because you're not being good. We're lying again. We're causing kids to perform for a present, to perform for a gift, to be rewarded for their good. Why can't we just be good? Like E.T. says, be good. <laughs> so uh, we lie to our kids about Christmas. And so we need to be reminded, you know, that, yeah, we can play Santa. You can do those things. But you need to overshadow Satan with Jesus. That's why I like what God told me the other day when he, he renamed Christmas for me. He says, you know, it's Christ's Mass, Roman Catholic. He goes, but I want you to do this, Christmas. I go, Christmas? He goes, I said, it's the same. He goes, no, spell it differently. C-H-R-I-S-T-M-E-S, Christ the Messiah. Now you can celebrate properly. Now you're putting him rightfully on that throne. Now you're representing the little Christ child that was born. See, Jesus came to save, not to kill. Jesus came to provide, not to steal. Jesus came to heal by his stripes, by how he died on the cross. He came and paid for all of our sin because if you look at the Bible and some of the scriptures, not every one of them, anytime you sin, health issues follow. I'll leave that with you. So I have to ask you a question. Does Christmas this year give you peace? You know, you're still in the month of Christmas. You've got December 25th, we're on the 27th, I believe, and then you've gone into New Year. You're still celebrating Christmas. As a matter of fact, you're probably going, oh, I'm glad it's over. Well, you know what? It's only another 365 days <laughs> until the next Christmas. So does this Christmas right now cause you to celebrate with joy? Or are you depressed? Does it cause you to have peace, or are you sad? You see, there's a difference between celebrating Christmas as Christmas. So December 25th is not the birth of Christ, remember that. There's no set date in the Bible, do you know that? There's no set date in the Bible of his birth. But there is a set date in the Bible of his death. That's why we're doing that play, the rest of the Christmas story, because his death is more important than his birth. Because his death is what gives us life. His birth is what gave him life. You see, there's a huge difference. There is something that I really think you would love to watch, and that's Handel's Messiah. Handel's Messiah is only played at Christmas time, and that's where more people all over the world will come and watch and listen to the story of Jesus. It's through song. The whole thing is about Jesus. And I think it's a great opportunity at Christmas time this month to talk to your neighbors, to take a plate of cookies to somebody that you wouldn't normally take a plate of cookies to. I like making sugar cookies. So I'm making a bunch, I've made a ton, I don't know how many have gone out, gingerbread cookies, over 200 of those, and those are all gone. And I made little teeny tiny um, gingerbread houses. 
That's at Christmas time. You know, I can get away with doing them probably in July or August, but it doesn't make sense. Christmas is the time to do these things, and that's when people are more receptive. We're having, we had this play, and by the time you watched this, the play would have been over, but we had this play, and this place was full with people that either go to church, but they haven't gone for a while, or have never put their foot in a church. And I'll tell you what happened. So my husband, Tom, decided to play in a part in the play. If you know my husband, very quiet, subdued, a wallflower, biker-type individual, long beard and everything, white hair. He's the perfect Moses for any Moses show, okay? So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to have him play Jesus. He's, he's going to be playing the adult Jesus. And he said, yes. So guess who's coming? All his buddies. They want to see him in the play. So see, normally these guys would not be in church. And we're going to give the message. So they can't arrive at the pearly gates and say, I never heard. Oh, yeah, you did. Remember the play? You heard and you had opportunity. So we're going to give everybody a chance. To do that. So let's be peculiar, people. The Bible tells the Christians to be peculiar, different, unique. So let's start over and build our Christmas on Jesus. He's the Savior. Jesus is God. Now, I heard the other day that the atheists have said that Jesus never proclaimed himself as God. I'm sorry. They're listening to the father of lies, okay? And the scriptures that we live by, anything else is not biblical. Like I talked to you about the tree a moment ago. The mistletoe is a tradition that goes back to ancient druids. Okay, those aren't godly. They're more of the occult era. Mystical powers, warding off evil spirits. That's interesting because they are the evil spirits. That doesn't make any sense. And with kissing and love. So it's tied with the tradition of Christmas. Now, I can talk a little bit more about Santa Claus. I'm not going to. But just to give you a little reiteration about it, he comes from the North Pole. And it talks about Jesus coming from the North. He wears red. Jesus wears red because of his blood. He knows and sees everything. Jesus knows and sees everything. You know what? Santa knows nothing. <laughs> Only Jesus is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present everywhere. So here's a conclusion. Some things to think about. Jesus is our Savior. He is God. Jesus is Lord. And now this time of month we proclaim his birth. 2 Timothy 3.15 is a great time to remind people how to be saved. Jesus gave a gift of life through his, his, his birth and then through his death. He gave the gift of life. So I want to ask you now, for those of you who really want to know the true spirit behind the real Christmas, not the four spirits that visited in Charles Dickens or not the other spirits, because the Bible tells us to weigh the spirits if they're of God. So I'm going to give you the real true spirit of Christmas is in giving your life back to the one who gave his life to you. If that's you, if you want to celebrate in a more truthful way, in a more down-to-earth way, in a more real way, so that you're not caught up in all the hoopla that comes with Christmas in the world, then this prayer is for you. Join me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for every person watching that really want to have peace right now. They want to have this joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. 
They don't want to feel stressed and out of control and filled with anxiety and, uh, and driven to please people and spending money, God. Father, I release them in the name of Jesus right now to release them in the name of Jesus that they no longer carry the guilt, the shame, the have-tos, the could and the would-haves and the should-haves. <laughs> Father, I ask you to minister to every heart here. Those listening, those wanting you, I pray, God, that they simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I know you came as a baby, but you died for my sins. I recognize that I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, and you want to talk with me about it, please do so. 530-409-6180. Like I said earlier, if you are lonely and you need a friend, someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to call me. 530-409-6180. That is my cell number. I'm giving you permission to call me directly because I want to be there for you as Christ is there for you. I want to usher you into the one who has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I needed the Lord in my life. If you've read my book, A Matter of the Mind, you'll see what a mess I was. I had Chris mess. <laughs> I, was Chris. I was messy. I was messy. But God gave me a new heart and a new life, and he could do the same for you.